Digging for something, and just like you expected, I am your host, JJ. So, the light in my bedroom on the ceiling kind of crapped out, so I had some difficulty trying to remove the glass cover so I can change the bulbs, and uh, let's just say I I sliced a couple fingers trying to get it open, and I didn't. Um, So what did I do? I decided, you know what? I'm not going to fiddle with it. I'm just going to go on my new favorite website, Amazon, and order another one that uh, used less electricity, um, more uh, kind of didn't stick out as much. So when I'm playing basketball in my bedroom, I don't hit the light as much. And uh, LEDs. Um, So I went and ordered it, and today I decided I was going to put it up. Now, anybody who, any of you who have purchased a home, um, not a new construction home, uh, purchased it from um, either kind of foreclosure or auction or uh, just a regular sale from uh, a previous owner, uh, you pretty much know that uh, there's there's things that you're going to uncover. Sellers rarely disclose everything that is wrong with the place. Uh, many things can be uncovered with an ins- inspection, and um, you can, you, you know, you can negotiate that um, once completed, and then you go ahead and close on the house or the home. And when I purchased my condo, uh, very soon after, I, I found out all the rigs that took place. We're talking foundation. Well, I mean, not necessarily foundation. There's, there's, they had some issues with the flooring. I'm on the second floor. Uh, some plumbing rigs and uh, electrical rigs, and and I'm never gonna get into the air conditioner. So um, over the last year plus, I've been kind of finding a lot of these rigs, and some I've been able to fix, some I just live with. Um, and changing this light, I was, <laughs> I was wondering what rig am I gonna find? And when I removed the light, I was like, okay. All is good, you know, turn off the power. Um, And um, I started removing the bracket that was there. And (laughs) little did I know there was a live wire in the box. And it tripped the breaker when it touched a piece of metal. Uh, um, You know, now I know when they say, when you're putting up a ceiling fan or light fixture, turn off the circuit breaker. Yeah, I kind of figured that's well. That's pretty much why. Um, now, when I looked at it, I'm like, okay, it seems like there's a rig. Because usually, um, when you're putting up a light, uh, it, it's, I mean, it, it's literally like black and white. Uh, you, and of course, green for the ground wire. You'll have uh, a, a white and a black wire um, on the fixture itself and also coming from the utility box. But in this case, the black wire, which I, did, I didn't see, that was eventually tripped, that was, that was stuck up in the utility box, and it was a red wire that was um, connected to the, the light fixture that was there. So 
when I first saw it, I was kind of wondered, okay, uh, I don't know if this is right. Um, but apparently there were a couple wires. One wire was connected to a light switch and the other one was just live, which I'm thinking it's a rig because usually if it's in the ceiling, you don't have continuous power. It's it's on a switch and there's no additional switch. So that was uh, my highlight. I almost electrocuted myself. I almost missed this episode, uh, but I fought through it, installed the light. My room is brighter than ever, and I will now start turning off the circuit breakers, especially in this place that I bought. It's not quite the money pit, but uh, it's uh, it's been an adventure in this year plus time I've lived here. Uh, I in. Uh, a few podcasts ago, or maybe a couple of podcasts ago, I, I spoke about the Democratic National Convention, Joe Biden's convention, and uh, since I haven't spoken about it yet, now it's time to discuss the Republican convention, you know, Donald Trump's convention. Now, it was definitely not different than uh, the Democratic convention, uh, you know, there was uh, a lot of masks not being worn uh, on the stage or in the crowd. Uh, so the lack of masks is a little concerning in this day and age, but it's really on par with um, what Donald Trump believes and that uh, you know, life must go on. You can't shut down the world. Uh, you can't close off everything. Um, you know, the term I've used in the past is, you know, what is the acceptable risk? And the Further we get from the beginning, it seems like the even though the numbers are going up, the dire feeling is not there anymore. So, yeah, although they they definitely didn't go with the mask initiative, um, it's not that surprising. And uh, and it is what it is. Um, now. Typically with conventions, there's a bump that the candidate receives uh, shortly after the convention. And I believe Donald Trump uh, received a, a bump from his convention because uh, it, it gives the candidate almost a week to go ahead and, you know, praise himself and have others praise him and can speak about their platform and others speak about their platform and speak about what they've accomplished. So there's always a bump given to a candidate after the convention. Uh, being the incumbent and uh, the, having his, his convention second, uh, that, that definitely helps out. Um, it helps out his, his numbers. So he, uh, he did receive a bump. And also you know, Joe Biden has been on the campaign trail a little more, and you know, sometimes Joe Biden is his own worst enemy when it comes to speaking and puts his foot in his mouth. So uh, the the gap between the two, the two, even though Joe Biden is still leading in most of the polls, uh, has shrunk. And of course, Donald Trump spoke. He spoke a lot because that's what Donald Trump does. He speaks off the cuff. Uh, he's uh, he's not very polished. Uh, he speaks his mind, and that's just what he is. And he stayed true to himself. He, he spoke exactly how you expected him to speak. Um, but he actually spoke well. 
I don't I don't think he was as um, unprepared as some of his speeches uh, make him seem. So he, he did speak well. Uh, the excessive rhetoric wasn't there. I mean, there was some rhetoric, but it wasn't excessive like he's known for. He's uh, He definitely touched on, on uh, a lot of topics and um, and tried to galvanize his supporters as well as trying to to have those on the fence across the side or in those who are not strong on the other side cross over as well. And um, Melania Trump also gave her speech and you, you don't hear from her very much. She is visible. Uh, she does have uh, various initiatives uh, that uh, she's, she speaks about and, and uh, travels, whether it's going to schools or going to Africa. Um, so she's not heard as much, but she, she is definitely visible. And uh, although, although she speaks with an accent, uh, she did speak very well. Uh, she, I mean, she speaks multiple languages, and you know, I struggle with one. Uh, I speak one and a half. So she speaks multiple languages, whether fluent or not. Uh, it really doesn't matter because when it comes down to it, it, can you can you communicate with people who speak the other language? You don't have to be fluent, but if you can communicate, yeah, that's a uh, that's success in my book. Um, one thing I really don't understand is all the criticism Melania Trump receives, and. I, I don't think it's fair. I really do not think it's fair. Uh, because she doesn't... And a lot of it is things that she wears and, oh, this outfit costs this much, this outfit costs that much, or um, which is kind of ridiculous. Because if you make $100, you're going to dress like somebody who makes $100. If you make millions of dollars, you're going to dress like somebody who makes millions of dollars. That's It's not rubbing it in people's face. If you have money, you spend it. You know? uh, somebody who is struggling day in, day out, they're probably driving a used Toyota. Uh, somebody who's doing well, they're driving, you know, European sedans. I mean, that's just the way it is. So criticizing over that is ridiculous. Um, but I just don't understand. Uh, everything that I've seen and heard from her, um, you know, she... she 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 carries herself very classy, but she, you know she doesn't get the same respect that Michelle Obama received and receives, and it's deserved. Michelle Obama, she's well educated, well spoken. Um, you know, some may or may not agree with her positions on certain things, or may not have voted for her husband. But as far as a person, uh, as a human. Uh, I, I think Mich Michelle Obama is somebody who should be held in high esteem. I, I, I thought it was ridiculous, those who said she should run for president or she should have been uh, the running mate for Joe Biden. <laughs> I think that's ridiculous. But uh, as far as who she is as a person, she definitely deserve, deserves a lot of respect. Um, but I, I just don't understand why Melania doesn't get the same respect. Um, she carries herself in a classy way. Uh, she's... She's not a figurehead. She's not using the office for uh, her own personal gain. And I, th I think there was an uproar because 
she changed the some she redid landscaping in the garden or something like that. You know, big deal. It's like um, when Michelle Obama, uh, she had her mother move in the White House. Okay, big deal. Uh, those are things that haven't been done before, but big deal. Um, you, know, you lead, you don't follow. And uh, some things, you know, it's like some of the baseball unwritten rules are ridiculous. So uh, it just, you know, why are we making a big deal over nothing? And if someone had criticized or spoke about Michelle Obama, like Bette Midler spoke about Melania Trump, there'd be hell to pay. Be called a racist, this, that. But because, you know, it's about Donald Trump's wife and and those who want to criticize her because she doesn't criticize her husband, you know, Dutch, her husband, and she's married to somebody they don't like, okay. Those are probably the same people who voted for Hillary Clinton. And let's, let's be honest, Bill Clinton was no saint. Uh, plenty of uh, womanizing, you know, sexual controversies out there with him. They yet voted for Hillary Clinton. So I really don't want to hear that garbage either. Um, I think, you know, if a first lady, I, I, I honestly, well, probably <laughs> Hillary Clinton was the only first lady in my lifetime that rubbed people the wrong way. Um, Jimmy Carter's wife, I forgot her name. I apologize for that. Um, Ronald Reagan's wife. Uh, oh, my God. Nancy Reagan. Um, you know, the first Bush's wife. Uh, was it Dorothy? Bush's wife. Uh, the second Bush's wife. Obama's wife. And uh, Trump's wife. I think they've all been classy women. And should all be held in high esteem. Um, so hopefully Melania does get uh, the respect she deserves and not hold things that are stupid against her. Um, and you know what? She, she, did a, she did a good speech. English is not her first language, and she speaks with an accent, and she still went up there like a trooper and did it. So let's give her some respect. And, uh, of course, with the current climate, race was a big topic. Um and you knew that it was going to cause controversy in many different ways because of how people have branded Donald Trump. Um, so race, and especially since uh, it was part of Joe Biden's platform, um, while also selecting Kamala Harris as his running mate, you know, race was going to be in there. So there were a lot of speakers, I guess, term now of color. Um, uh, the whole PC terms always change. So uh, I never know what to say, but um, I don't know if black speakers is correct or speakers of color, who knows. But either way, uh, you understand what I'm saying. So you know there were going to be plenty of speakers of color. Um, and, of course, there was criticism for, for different ways. Uh, there were the the... The ones you expected, uh, the politicians, um, there were a couple of Congress, con uh, congressmen, black Republicans, uh, members of uh, Donald Trump's staff, uh, 
Ben Carson and um, I want to say Jerron. What was his name? Ah. Jerron, no, not Smith. Maybe it was Smith. I don't remember. Um, From his cabinet and his staff. Then you had Alice Marie Johnson, who was the the black woman who was serving a life plus 25 years sentence for a first time nonviolent offender. And and she's the first one to admit um, she made a mistake, committed a crime, deserved her time, and it was it was excessive. And her case is exactly why I do agree with social injustices that have taken place and need to be corrected. Um, a lot of the stuff that's being protested and, you know, looting and violence and taking over, that, I don't agree with. But, you know, cases like Marie, Alice Marie Johnson, you know, those are obvious that these are injustices that take place and they took place because she was a, she was a black woman, plain and simple. Um, if it would have been a white man, a white woman, the sentence would have been completely different. Um, they wouldn't have been railroaded as, as harsh as she was. Uh, she served a longer sentence than people who've raped, molested, killed. I mean, think about that for a second. And uh, Donald Trump commuted her sentence. And, of course, she's going to be very grateful. And she spoke on his behalf, and not only for setting her free, but also um, for championing a a social justice uh, initiative that... Uh, that he signed into law and say whatever you want about Donald Trump. If it would have been done yesterday, you could have said it was for the politics of what's going on today, but this was done, uh, what, two years ago when he obviously, he did what he, what he wanted to do. He did what he believed in. So, and he went ahead and did it. So, um, I, I completely believe that this was a case that he, thought was unjust and and that's why she she spoke on his behalf uh, now whether she's a republican or a democrat who knows but she spoke because of what she felt in her heart and of course there there were other people who spoke and uh, athletes who spoke and um you know something i didn't know uh herschel walker who is a former running back uh of uh, in the nfl uh went to the university of georgia heisman trophy winner um, <laughs> his name is probably more associated with the one of the greatest trades ever made by uh, Jimmy Johnson, the Dallas Cowboys head coach to the Minnesota Vikings, which that trade was able to stock his roster with the players needed to win a uh, a super, super multiple Super Bowls. So uh, Herschel Walker was is definitely uh, remembered many different ways, but. Uh, now I didn't know he had a relationship with Donald Trump and he spoke and spoke about how long he's known Donald Trump, how long he's been friends with Donald Trump, um, and that he supported Donald Trump. He's from the South. He, he, he's seen racism, um, which obviously from the South. Now, 
of course, uh, his comments were met with controversy. And one of the things that really annoys me is is the negative reactions for people because they don't agree with another group of people. We really don't need to go down that route. And he's been called Uncle Tom, and uh, I don't have to explain what an Uncle Tom is, but because he's a black man, he spoke behalf of Donald Trump. And, okay, we, we know the accusations of Donald Trump, whether he's a racist, whether he's not a racist. Um, you know, only he really knows the truth. Um, I think the term racist is thrown around so easily now. It, it's kind of ridiculous. It's you're kind of watering it down. So, um, you know, Herschel Walker is somebody who's known Donald Trump a long time. Um, I think it's easier to trust his word than uh, somebody who just doesn't like what Donald Trump says. Now, he could very well be a racist. Who knows? But sometimes racists try to do the right thing. Um, and if he is, he is. If he's not, he's not. But um, for Herschel Walker, he believes he's not. And, you know, if that's his belief, he shouldn't be criticized for it. But to call him an Uncle Tom, you know, it's... And, and I've... and I've My last podcast, I've talked about... Um, political, political hypocrisy, and which is on every single side. It's the hypocrisy of, um, you know, the person I like can do this, he's okay, or she's okay. person on the other side does it, they're not okay. It's just a political hypocrisy. And all those people who want to say Donald Trump is divisive, and yeah, a lot of things he says can be um, construed as divisive. But when you call a person, a black man, Uncle Tom, because of his beliefs, that's just as divisive. It really is. And it just comes, and that's, that's uh, you know, we're all hypocrites to some extent. Um, but, you know, you got to respect the man's opinion. Whether you agree with it or not, you have to respect his opinion. Um, another person who spoke, which, honestly, I, I have no idea who he was, of a Vernon Jones, who is a black Democrat from Georgia, who I believe he is in Congress or in the states, uh, in the the state government. I'm I'm not really sure. It's hard to remember everything. I I do my best to try to remember everything I see and read, but hey, uh, I'm getting up there in age. It's hard to remember everything, but uh, he's a black Democrat who who supports Donald Trump, and he's another one who who is using his platform to kind of debunk the, almost a requirement that a black person has to be a Democrat. Even though he's Democrat, he's supporting Donald Trump, and from his view, because um, he is from Georgia, the South, and there are a lot, in the South, there are a lot of um HBC, 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 HBCs, historically black black colleges. Um, so this is something that is is an important cause to Vernon Jones, and his point was that 
um, the initiatives that were that were kind of, that were sponsored by Donald Trump um, helped the black people in his area in ways that his own party hasn't. So, um, which is something very important: the funding of colleges, funding of the historic black colleges. Um, there, and there's many good ones just in the Atlanta area alone. I believe there's about four of them. Um, and these are well, um, well-respected colleges and universities, uh, and funding, adding additional funding for these uh, colleges and universities only helps those in need. And that's not saying every black person doesn't need a handout. I mean, a lot of times in politics, that's kind of the impression that's given, but there are a lot of black people who are who don't have a lot of means. So being able to provide means for those to get into these colleges to better themselves. Um, so it's not the whole black community because I think I think that really is something that it's almost looked at as a, a you know put across like a blanket when that's not the case. Um, just like just poor Latins, poor whites, um, poor everything. Uh, but, you know, giving people who don't have the means, the opportunities to go uh, to college is uh, a benefit, not only for them, their families, but for this country. The more educated people I have in this country, the better this country is. Th that's the only way we can remain a world leader, um, whether it's business, technology, uh, healthcare, um, just any different arena. Yeah, we, we want we want our citizens to go to college, get college degrees, and uh, help help the society. So, for Vernon Jones, this was a a issue that was near and dear to him, and for him, because you know something he believed in uh, was given. It's proper due from Donald Trump. He felt like he needed support and not, and not just follow his party or follow his race. And I honestly, I respect those people who, who are not sheep and they don't follow the mob. And you know, Kanye West, yeah, he can be insane, but you know, he's he's going to march to his own drum. So Herschel Walker, the uh, Alice Marie Johnson, the uh, Black Republicans, I respect them for not being sheep or not, you know, not saying, you know, not following the 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 history of okay, you have to be Democrat. I, I respect that. I respect those who who go against that. Uh, and it's just like I respect the, the Republicans, like John Kasich and and Colin Powell, who. Who Donald Trump is just too much for them, <laughs> and uh, they have endorsed Joe Biden, and I mean, obviously Republicans don't like it. But hey, you know, just because you're Republican, just because you're Democrat, just because you're Black, just because you're Cuban, just because you know you're a woman, just because you're gay, doesn't mean you have to follow what everybody else is doing. You do what you're doing, you feel is right, and that's it.
And I respect people who do that. Um, whether I'm in line with them politically or not, I, I respect it. And those who cross the aisle, I, it's it's something that um, we need more of. And it should be respected, not shunned. Um, Republicans shouldn't uh, condemn the, Repu- the other Republicans who support Biden and uh, and you know the and black Americans who are Republicans should not be criticized. Those who speak at a Republican convention should not be called Uncle Toms. It just you know respect people's opinions. That's we, we're all humans, and we should not allow others to think for us. So be you. That's all I can say. Be you. Don't be what others think you should be. And that is it. So, uh, another topic I'm going to cover, and I'm probably not going to go in depth as it's just because it's maybe probably a little too political, and I've already spoken uh, <laughs> over 20 minutes about politics. But it's, um, Something that caught my attention uh, after the shooting in the police shooting in in Wisconsin, and which I'm not going to get into politics of that or the details of that. Uh, it's very polarizing. Um, but after that police shooting, the Milwaukee Bucks, the NBA, uh, were, was boycotting their playoff game, and other. NBA teams follow suit and refuse to play. And they were even discussing whether or not to continue to play or not, or just call off the season. Now, obviously, um, to go that, to boycott a game is, is okay, you can fix that. Um, it's no different than when, you know, when, there's weather delays or hurricanes or natural disasters where schedules get moved. That's, that's not a big deal, but the ramifications of just ending the season right now, um, you know, it's a lot larger than just say, I don't want to play to protest that uh, there's economics in it. There's, uh, there's contractual obligations. There's, um, support staff. There's, um, just league logistics, a lot, you know, goes into it, whether just saying we're not going to play. Um, it's not that easy. And of course the player, you know, a couple of days, the players, so there was heated conversations within players, within uh, players talks and uh, um, even with their union heads and with the owners and the commissioner. So there, there was a lot of, lot of dialogue uh, back and forth about, um, should we play? Should we not play? Um, what stands should be taken? Um, you know, what what resources could be used to help a cause? You know, things of that nature. There was a lot. So, you know, you, you got to give them credit because it was a lot, a lot of emotion, a lot of politics, a lot of logistics. And, you know, they were able to sort things out within a couple days. Um, so once cooler heads kind of prevail and able to get people to speak, um, 
and not just speak on emotion. Uh, you're kind of able to, to, to go through the issues a little quicker. So um, they were able to come to a, a decision and, uh, and the players basically had a, a, a list of, I don't want to say a wish list, but I guess kind of a list, uh, a wish list that was submitted to the league and to the owners of, of things they wanted to see done, things they wanted to um, have the league concentrate on. And, um, you know, obviously there, there's been a lot of things that have taken place uh, regarding whether, regarding the kneeling, which which I've already spoken before about my, my feelings about kneeling. And um, it's to the point of, it's like, who need, it, it doesn't create dialogue. It doesn't create change. All it creates is uh, headlines of who kneeled, who didn't kneel. Why didn't this person kneel? Why did this person kneel? And it, it doesn't help. So I think the kneeling thing, it's just, it's, it's kind of over with it. I don't think it serves its purpose. Um, I don't think it creates change or dialogue. Um, but you have the the different phrases or words on the back of players' jerseys. Those who chose to have it, which I've spoken about that as well. Um, so, you know, <laughs> sometimes it can be confusing of who's who, um, and some of the the terms are understood. Others are like, what? Um, but, and also having Black Lives Matter on the court and different t-shirts and things like that. I mean, I've already spoken. I, the NBA in the bubble, I think they've done a great job. Um, the games have been much better than I imagined. The atmosphere has been much better than I imagined. But, um, and uh, a lot of what's been done uh, before they started up was when the Black Lives Matter movement was really taking off. So there were a lot of concessions and things like that um, to shed light uh, on the issues at hand. And, you know, a lot of it was to appease players and you know, give them give them the satisfaction of knowing that, that the league is, is doing something and... Uh, <laughs> And the league, of course, they want to do as much as they can, not only for um, uh, their belief in any movement, but also they, <laughs> they don't want players opting out. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, they killed two birds with one stone. But um, one of the conditions that was laid out by the players was to have arenas that are owned by teams or run by the teams to be used for re uh, having uh, people register to vote and also as uh, possible voting precincts because obviously these these arenas are very large so if you have an arena as a precinct uh, I mean you can shove uh, 20,000 people in there too <laughs> to uh, get in line to vote. It's it's a lot easier to do there. I mean, you have some schools and it's, you might have uh, 10 um, little stations in the precinct and sometimes the lines are outside and uh, it can be inclement weather. And so 
if you have a precinct in an arena, it's it's a large space that uh, can accommodate you know thousands of people. Um, but also using the arenas as a point for people to go to register to vote. Um, honestly, I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's a benefit or not. I mean, I registered to vote what, uh, what, twenty five years ago. So I have no idea how I registered to vote. I don't remember. Um, you know, my kids are not old enough to vote, so I have no idea uh, what it takes to register to vote now. I don't know if you have to go somewhere, if you can do it online. Um, so I don't know if that's a big deal or not. And uh, But as far as the using the arenas as a voting precinct, yeah, I think that's definitely a uh, a good idea, just using the the sheer size of it to accommodate um, so many people. And and many players have kind of jumped on the um, voter suppression message that have been, that has been um, spoken by many people. And um, so many players have, have spoken up about voter suppression and things like that. Uh, but one thing I found very interesting is that only, I mean, roughly around 20% of players are actually registered to vote. Now, to vote, you have to be 18 years old. There's not one player who's under the age of 18 playing right now. So 20%, and even if that number's wrong, and let's say it's 30%, uh, just to, to give a little bit benefit of the doubt, registered to vote. Now, to me, that is disturbing, concerning, and very bothersome. Um, because the foundation of change is voting. And you, you know, you can't take any message they give. You can't, you know, a, a player who speaks about voter suppression or says wants change. How can you take them seriously when it's not even not voting? It's not even registered to vote. And there is no excuse not to register. No excuse at all. There are people with busy schedules, um, transportation issues, whatever it may be, who are registered to vote. There is no excuse for a player. And many of these players are, you know, late 20s, early 30s, and not register to vote? No. You lose the, the support of your message when you do not do what you need to do to make the change. And I think a lot of the leadership of the players, when they found out, uh, I mean, I'm sure many players who are really, I'm sure LeBron James uh, is a registered voter. And I'm sure to many players, it's it's unfathomable how they just don't care. Um, and that's something, if, if you want, if you want to support change, you want to go out there and speak about change, you got to look in the mirror. I think uh, Doc Rivers said it, you have to look in the mirror. 
And if you're not doing what you need to do, how can you how can you convince anybody else to do it? So, you know, players, especially basketball players, because they're they're catered to at a very young age with AAU and um, one and done. And um, I think basketball, college basketball, let's be honest, that's probably the shadiest of all college sports as far as I mean, you 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 see. Um, you know, cases of players taking money, of boosters and things like that, a lot more in basketball than any other sport. Uh, so, you know, they're babied from a very young age. Um, so in many of the, uh, many of their minds, they probably think, okay, the world revolves around me. Um, but, you know, if you want to use this platform to demand change, Change yourself first because you can't convince anybody if you're not doing what you need to do. And you know, hopefully that 20%, you know, this time next year is closer to 80%. And there's no reason for it not to be. Voting is a privilege in this country. Um, you know, this is not Belarus where votes you know, are rigged or Venezuela or many other countries where this doesn't matter who you vote for. The outcome is already predetermined. It's like a wrestling match. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's a big show, but they already know who the winner is going to be. And it doesn't, even with all the conspiracy theories and things like that, votes count here. Um, and that is the, the fundamental I mean, right, privilege as a citizen of this country. And the that's the building block to get anything changed. And nobody's ever going to win unanimously. It, it doesn't matter. Um, and I think what I've said before is one vote, yeah, it, it might not, you know, rarely does somebody win by one vote. But the problem comes where when you have thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people who say, ah, it's only one vote. Why is that going to, with everybody, th- yeah, one vote. But when you have you know, hundreds of thousands of people saying the same thing and none of them vote, it does make a difference. So every vote counts and everybody should go out there and vote. Um, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. I'm not going to say who I'm going to vote for uh, because it's a personal decision that everybody has to make. Um, but don't ask for change if you're not going to do your part and cast that ballot. So vote, vote, vote. Uh, I have voted for every presidential election that ha- I have been able to. I'm not going to lie and say I've voted for every single election because sometimes I, even, I don't even know there's an election taking place. So it's kind of difficult at times. I think a couple of weeks ago, uh, somebody said, yeah, there were uh, there were elections. Uh, it was a Tuesday. I had no clue. I had no clue there was an election. And probably it would help if I watched news, but I I, I don't want, like watching news. Um, I mean, just local news, I think, is very depressing. It's never anything positive. And the national news channels, uh, CNN, uh, MSNBC, I, I don't want to hear 
the liberal point of view for everything, and I don't want to hear the conservative point of view of everything on Fox News either. I don't want to hear slanted uh, news coverage. Uh, so that probably <laughs> is one reason I didn't know about uh, the elections taking place. But, uh, you know, the ones that I know about, the big ones, um, you know, sometimes there are particular initiatives that are, are put on a ballot that, you know, I either believe in or don't believe in. And I will vote. So and that's my voice. And everybody has a voice and it's up to everybody to use that voice. Just like I use my voice for this podcast. Like it or not, it's my voice. Eh, I don't sometimes I don't like my voice. Uh, some shows I like better than others, but uh, <laughs> everybody has a voice. So everybody can vote. Everybody can make a podcast. Everybody has a voice. That's that's the that is the beauty of living in this country. Uh, we're not a perfect country. Um, we'll never be a perfect country, but many people come to this country because they call it the land of opportunity. Uh, this is a country that you have millions who want to come to and thousands who want to leave. So for all its faults, the country's not that bad. And use your right, use your privilege, and vote. That's all I'm going to say. And with that, we will cut to the end of this show. Uh, if you have any comments, feedback, or topics you would like me to discuss, feel free to send an email to digging for something at AOL.com. And it is the number four, digging for something at AOL.com. If you happen to be listening via the Anchor app, you could also leave a voice message. Um, honestly, I've never received one, so I don't know how it works. But if you do it, I, uh, I will uh, give it a listen. And um, I thank you for listening to Digging for Something. I am JJ, and I will see you when I see you.